Hey everyone, my name is Chris Lambert and on this channel we talk Kanye West and we have one for the record books. You see that headline, right? You see that headline. Kanye West net worth soars to 6.6 billion. He is now the richest black person in US history, which is such an achievement. Uh, Mind-blowing the fact that Kanye made it to this point because you're probably thinking back like I was to 2016 when he's tweeting out that he's $53 million in debt and asking people like Mark Zuckerberg to support him, to help him because he has vision and ideas that he just needs the backing to bring to life. You may be thinking back to 2015 when he's on stage accepting, I believe it was the Video Vanguard Award, saying that he is like Howard Hughes, he is like Walt Disney, he is like Henry Ford, and he will be on their level one day, a billionaire, this, that, and people laughed. People mocked it, people didn't take it seriously. I remember myself being skeptical of like, how are you going to get there from where you're currently at? I didn't see it. You may recall 2013, maybe you're thinking back that far to when Kanye's in the studio with Sway doing promotion for Yeezus, and he starts going on a very similar talking point of wanting to be compared to Disney, Ford, Hughes, and saying, oh, Steve Jobs, and saying that he could be on their level. He just needs the support, the backing. And Sway infamously says, Kanye, why don't you just do it yourself? Like, you do it yourself. And Kanye says, how, Sway? How? He knew he needed support. He needed some partners. And... That proved true. He made a few key partnerships along the way over the last eight years, and it changed everything. So in this video, we're going to be discussing uh, the details that broke this story today, but also get into a little bit about Kanye's history regarding sneakers and fashion and how that led to the news today. So the main article that kicked everything off came from Bloomberg here. Kanye West and Gap have billion dollar ambitions for Yeezy deal by Kim Basson. And the key bits of information that we got from this was UBS Group valued Yeezy between 3.2 billion and 4.7 billion dollars, which is already a ton of money. And Kanye is the primary owner of Yeezy, right? So he's getting primarily most of the earnings from that. And they said that the new Gap deal, Yeezy Gap, that was first signed and announced last year uh, and supposed to hit stores in June or July of this year, finally, could be worth as much as $970 million of that total, it being a 10-year deal. So <laughs> we'll see how that deal ends up uh, playing out when the clothes actually release. And if they're anywhere close to the success that Kanye has had with Adidas, then these numbers are going to continue to skyrocket. But the other significant parts in this article come from here. Uh, sales for Yeezy's Adidas sneakers remained resilient through the pandemic. So in 2020, Yeezy grew 31% uh, with Adidas and the sale of Yeezy shoes to nearly 1.7 billion in annual revenue, netting Yeezy 191 million in royalties, which is a crazy number. But <laughs> think about that. Like, Kanye and Adidas have been selling Yeezys since 2016, essentially, as we know them in terms of the V2 getting more wider releases rather than the very niche uh, releases we were seeing early on. Kanye got $191 million this year, five years on from when that deal started. You look down here and it talks about Kanye's actual earnings, right? 
for the rest of what he has. Let me find this. Um, yeah, right here. Kanye's music catalog is worth 110.5 million. This is 20 years of effort in the music industry, right? Producing uh, for Jay-Z, right, on uh, The Blueprints, all of his albums from College Dropout up to Jesus is King, and all of that time and effort, all of the acclaim, all of the sales, all of the streams amounts to him earning 110.5 million from music, 20 years of music, but one year of shoe earnings is 191 million, which <laughs> I don't know if that shows how much more value there is in product than there is in arts, even though art is a product, or if that just shows how bad the record deals are, that Kanye could have the success that he's had as a musician, and that's all he's earning compared to the much larger ownership stake he has in Yeezus and the money he gets from that, right? Which you can understand him looking at his music earnings compared to his fashion earnings and why he's so outraged about his contract situation. I would be too. Uh, but they also talked about an unaudited balance sheet of West Finances provided by his lawyer. He had 122 million in cash and stock and more than 1.7 billion in other assets, including a significant investment in skims. Kim Kardashian's underwear label. I don't know how Skims has been going, but it seems well. Everything that I've heard about it was that it was very successful uh, so far. And if Kim's a significant investor in that, or if Kanye's a significant investor in that, it stands a reason he would be earning a ton from that. And I know he gifted Kim a stake in Yeezy a few years back for Mother's Day. So it seems that despite the divorce, the two still have a vested interest in the individual successes of, you know, former husband and wife. So I'm sure Kim's still rooting for Yeezy and Kanye and that Kanye's still rooting for Kim and Skims. But this was kind of the, the big deal info from this article. I wanted to take a second to kind of shout out the other black billionaires that Kanye uh, is now <laughs> representing. So the first one that we saw in American history was Robert L. Johnson. So he's an entrepreneur, but he's the co-founder of BET, right? And when he sold BET to Viacom in 2001, that's when he achieved billionaire status, just because the sale was so huge and the value that he got from it. So 2001 was the first black billionaire in United States history. And then you can see 19 years later, Insider releases this article saying there are 614 billionaires in the United States and only seven of them are black, which is such an unfortunately low number, but that's one way to look at it. The other side of the coin, or the glass half full, is the fact that, yeah, that number is increasing. Year after year, that number is increasing, which is fantastic, and you're seeing people really break through in different ways. So, tie for number six is Tyler Perry. Uh, he was the newest black billionaire, uh, hitting the $1 billion mark, and then also Jay-Z, uh, tied for number six as well. <laughs> so uh, Kanye and his big brother both representing. And then Kanye was number five, right? Net worth of $1.3 just September of 2020, though he was saying he was worth more in the $3 billion range. Number four is Michael Jordan at $1.6 Oprah Winfrey, $2.5 billion. Number three, David Stewart, $3.7 doing IT services, <laughs> which is such a vague thing, right? Uh, and then lastly, Robert F. Smith, who 
private equity, right? He's a former executive of Goldman Sachs and Vista Equity Partners is his main thing that's made him $5.2 billion. So number one and number two currently are Kanye and Mr. Smith here, which, you know, fantastic. Uh, and then let's get into the history a little bit. You know, this is just a reminder of Kanye uh, and his $53 million in debt tweets. Uh, just in case you haven't seen them before, it was the night that The Life of Pablo was going to come out. So the Easy Season 3 show had happened just a few days before. Everybody's waiting for Life of Pablo to drop, and Kanye was getting ready to go on stage at SNL to perform some of the new music. The album wouldn't come out for another few hours, but Kanye had a series of tweets talking about the life of Pablo is the life of Paul, and Paul was a messenger of the first century. And then one of the tweets was, I write this to you, my brothers, while still $53 million in personal debt. Please pray we overcome. This is my true heart. This is all, all is fun and good feelings. We will all be gone 100 years from now. But what did we do to help while we were here? They are calling me to the SNL stage now. Speak soon. <laughs> um, crazy. Just uh, another history book moment for Kanye. But this is a... Uh, infographic from 2014 so recent but not too recent but it shows kind of a lot of the early growth in Kanye's branding and might be a little chaotic in terms of information but you can see here they look at Kanye as the entertainer and the fact that he was making money from early tours mid-career tours and recent tours and this is getting into, I'm pretty sure, college dropout, late registration, then the graduation and glow in the dark, and then specifically the Yeezus tour, right? Uh, oh, and Watch the Throne, which was a very successful tour for Kanye as well. So he's making money from those things, and it's talking about like fashion in here as well, as you can see the stunner shades and that he's wearing Margiela and Givenchy and even getting married in Givenchy. Uh, and then it goes into the Pygmalion, which I'm pretty sure is a reference to Greek and talking about like uh, hybrids. So it's not just Kanye as the entertainer, but he's getting into these other aspects. But maybe not. Maybe it's more into romance, given that the things are Amber Rose and Kim Kardashian. <laughs> but it's showing that each of these paths kind of took him down a different way. His first high profile girlfriend. Uh, and model and Kanye helped her find her flossy Miami clubwear look and then Kim Kardashian he famously revamped the closet of his fiance dumping her bandage basics for all business sensuality in shades of I never know how to say that word Toop, top taupe whatever that is uh, but you can see taupe makeover vogue and the ways in which he was still involved in fashion and design but more in an ancillary non-professional uh, way but then the designer comes about so it's Kanye getting involved in fashion week his personal style uh, from desert drapery to the rosewood era during the my beautiful dark twisted fantasy years to the donda era celine and that's him on the coachella stage right uh, in that celine blouse and then internships at Louis Vuitton and Fendi, collabs with APC, Adidas, Nike, and then his own lines, Pastel in 2009, which never really got off the ground. There's great articles talking about the history of Pastel and what it could have been and what Kanye was doing with it. And it looked cool. It looked ahead of its time, but for some reason, it just never took off. Kanye never actually 
put it out there, but he was starting to promote it. He was teasing it for a while. He hired a ton of people to work on it. But then he also had his Kanye West line uh, from 2011 and 2012. He had the DW line that he was initially doing before moving into the Yeezy season uh, seasons. And then welcome to the front row, Kanye. So uh, you can't see that at the bottom, but it's just a picture of Kanye at a uh, fashion show. So this gets us into first the history of the footwear, right? And looking back at that, we have the Footshop blog, which is actually taking a picture from Forbes without credits, but we'll let that slide. <laughs> and this is getting into uh, the history of Kanye's shoe collaborations. So you can see the first one was in 2005, uh, or not 2005, he was trying to be in contact with Nike and Adidas, uh, but it didn't work. So he did a dropout bear shoe with Bape and it's very dropout berry. It's very baby. <laughs> uh, but that was the first partnership with Kanye did in the shoe world. And then a couple years later is when Nike Air Yeezy came out in 2009. And this is actually when the tension started. So Nike had Kanye not on like a Michael Jordan deal, but in a similar deal to Michael Jordan where Kanye got a percent of what he was earning, a royalty, but like in the music industry, it was much smaller rather than an ownership percentage. And with how well the Nike Air Yeezys did and with how well the Louis Vuitton shoes did, Kanye wanted a larger ownership percentage when they were doing the Air Yeezy 2, but Nike wasn't budging. So they released the shoes, Kanye was unhappy, the shoes still sold well, and Kanye thought he deserved way more money than what he was getting on the level of a Michael Jordan. But even Michael Jordan, doesn't have an ownership stake in the Jordan brand. He's very well compensated, but I don't think he has with Nike, maybe not for a long time, what Kanye had right away with Adidas in terms of how much Adidas gave him in terms of ownership percentage of the shoes. But it was actually this Louis Vuitton deal that Kanye did and that he didn't think was going to be a big deal from the articles that I read about it because it was high fashion versus Nike. But Nike actually ended up being very upset by this collaboration. And I think even Louis Vuitton was upset by the collaboration because Kanye signed the contracts for each of them around the same time and the shoes dropped the same year. So there was a bit of bad blood that came from these collaborations. But we got the Red Octobers almost, uh, the most coveted shoe in shoe history currently. But it was after things with Nike fell through that Kanye then went to Adidas, uh, thanks to John Wexler, AKA Flexler. Um, and he signed a $10 million deal with Adidas. Aside from having more control over the creative process, Ye also gained much more earnings from sold units, which is one of his main concerns. But 2013 was when that deal was signed, and it took until 2015 for the 750 to really come out, right? And it did well. People bought it and bought a lot of them. Well, a lot of them. There weren't that many available. It was so limited. And the same thing with your uh, initial 350 in 2015. They were just so limited that they were making money, but not huge amounts of money that we're seeing currently. And then we got the V2, which was a whole other level of gimme, 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 and hype and interest. And then the uh, 700s. Right, And at this time in 2016, 2017, Yeezys are becoming a little more gettable 
in terms of the amount of quantity released to the public. So the amount of money that Kanye's earning is just skyrocketing as they refine the process, as there are more shoes to just sell overall, more silhouettes and colorways. And now here we are with all of these different 380s, quantum slides, uh, with Kanye continuing to drop all of those. And that's why you're seeing the amount of money that's now there. It was very small to begin with. And now it's just this giant ocean of money because there are so many shoes. And look at this picture, <laughs> like there's so many shoes. Each of these is a different model and a different color. And I mean, a lot of these haven't even been released. You just think the amount of inventory that there is that we're eventually going to get, there's so much money in that photo. That's wild. <laughs> like each of those shoes represents like a million dollars, crazy. So that's a little bit of the, the shoe history and how we got to where Kanye is with Adidas. Uh, and now with the fashion history, here we have uh, CRF Fashion Book or CR Fashion Book. And they did this 24 uh, pictures slideshow back in 2018, which isn't currently up to date, right? It's three more years since they put this out, but it starts with the uh, shutter shades. like. Actually, this isn't even starting right at the beginning. I mean, we could go back to the backpack, right? Kanye wearing all of these like backpacks and making fashion statements, but I guess this is the first like brand deal that he had. So the custom made form designer, uh, Elaine Mickley, and you have that, so those shades becoming as popular as they were, the stunner shades, and then the collaboration with Louis Vuitton, which, uh, we already talked about as being kind of a an issue. Maybe that's clothing, huh? But then Nike Air Yeezy coming out, and then internship at Fendi. So after Kanye got uh, became the enemy of the world after the VMAs back in two thousand nine, when he interrupted Taylor Swift, he actually went to Japan with Virgil Abloh for a little bit and was working in Japan studying fashion, and then went and did internships in Italy, specifically with uh, Fendi and spent time like fetching coffee, doing grunt work for everybody. He wanted to be just a normal intern despite being Kanye West. And uh, he talks about how amazing of a time that was for him and Virgil, how creative it was, despite not being like the head people at Fendi and just being these interns, right? It was this creative uh, firestorm for each of them. So we have that, and then the Watch the Throne, Givenchy merch and album. Yeah, the merch for Watch the Throne was just wild, right? But that was also uh, newly appointed Burberry CCO, Ricardo Tishi, not only designed the artwork for Wes and Jay-Z's collaborative Watch the Throne album, but Tishi also created the designs for the tour merch and the Givenchy clothing that the duo wore on stage during concert performances. Uh, most notoriously, the skirt that Kanye wore, or the like leather kilt, that he wore that he felt like daring to go out in. Like, will people question my masculinity because I'm wearing this thing? And then he just looked awesome and stopped worrying about if people were questioning his masculinity because fashion is fashion, right? Uh, but that was one of the big looks from that. So he went from these one-off collaborations to then doing his initial fashion line. And that was DW, Donda West by Kanye West. And that was 2012 at the Paris Fashion Week spring summer. And it was his debut line, and it mixed. It met with mixed reviews. I always thought the clothes looked cooler than what I was seeing a lot of reviews say. And I was following this back in 2000, 
2011, 2012, I was fascinated by it. And I think that's still like a nice outfit. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it looks cool. Uh, but you had that, which was his first runway show, a huge step into the fashion industry. But it's also one of the things that begot Yeezus, right? Because he felt so rejected from the fashion industry, so not supported by the people there. And he followed up the spring collection with this fall collection that was a little bit more leathery. And the reviews weren't any better for this. Maybe they were even like meaner to him. But this uh, article points out that the boots were one of the uh, big ticket items or one of the things to pay attention to, and they seem to be a nod to shoe collaborations past and future. Uh, Kanye's shoe wear in these early fashion shows ended up still being a point of interest for people, like one of the major talking points. And little did we know what was going to lie ahead for Kanye in shoes. Uh, and then he also did a, a fall-winter 2012 show, though we don't really see anything here. And then he had a collaboration with APC um, in 2013 and 2014. It was his first ready-wear collection with the line included rugged denim pieces. You remember this denim, right? You've seen Kanye in this like all-denim outfit. Like I've seen Kanye in that exact, all of these outfits. We've seen Kanye in all of these outfits. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it was the APC collaboration. But then Yeezy season one was 2015. And you can see like the noticeable difference, right? Between this look here, that's much more like runway fashion. This look here, that's a little bit more like gothic runway fashion to this that's a little more like mall wearable to here, which is just outrageous. Like these didn't look like clothes to me when I first saw it. Like, what is this outfit? What is this outfit? What is this? But it was more the the idea, right? The concept, the loose baggy, the sports fitting, the athleisure. This was ahead of the time. And this met with much better reviews. Uh, the show itself, too, with Vanessa Beecroft kind of choreographing the stillness of it. But people were intrigued by this. And this was really the kickoff for Kanye in the fashion world and getting that foothold. It was after these initial Yeezy seasons that you started to see ripoffs already in H&M and other online kind of uh, fashion theft places. But you can see the boots too. So Yeezy boots, again, key important thing that at the time we still didn't have the initial Adidas collaborations, but these boots were one of the items in demand of like, oh, I want those. <laughs> like. I don't necessarily know what's going on here, but I see these boots and I want these boots, which created a lot of hype for the 750. And then the v, uh, V1s that they point out, Kanye attending uh, the CFDA awards, which I don't think he won anything, but he was doing something. I oh, just wore his Yeezy boot, uh, boosts. Okay. But then we had Yeezy season two, which like more clothing you can see more clothing in this one than yeezy season one more the ideas in the concepts but it's still that like ultra baggy look which i think he has definitely refined over the years because this isn't too different from what we're seeing with the upcoming gap collection but it's just a little more like gap wearable or a little more doesn't make you do a double take in the street as some of these outfits probably would if you saw somebody walking down the streets in some of these outfits like that like that shirt and those shorts uh and then easy season two just another photo uh cr girls 2016 so kareen dressed 20 of her favorite models in exclusively yeezy season two and what would be the first annual cr girls 
that's cool. So that's all Yeezy Season 2, uh, looking on more known models. And then we had Yeezy Season 3, of course, which was this whole show, this whole performance in Madison Square Garden. It was much harder to see what the clothes were because the scale was so huge. It was more on the show itself than the individual clothes. But you really did get a sense of mood from the clothes, right? Even though you're not focused in on individual pieces as much, there's just this concept, this idea, this attitude that's coming through in the models and the fits and the, the color scheme, right? Is this top? Taupe? <laughs> uh, but just these muted tones that Kanye's been known for, which is funny because the Gap clothes are like bright blue <laughs> or purple, not these like browns and grays and blacks. Uh, and then Yeezy and Balmain had a, a meetup and here the Pablo pop-up shops. That was huge. And I think this was like a change of pace for Kanye. Like merch had always been a huge part of Kanye's tours. Uh, especially you think back to the Yeezy, or Yeezy merch, the Yeezus merch. Uh, but then with the Life of Pablo, which is his first tour since Yeezus, three years later, Kanye leaned so hard into all of the Life of Pablo merch and having these pop-up shops around the country, all these shirts available, and really escalating the online orders from his own store. Because the same, I think he took a little bit of what Sway was saying to heart, like, cut out the middleman. You don't need uh, Louis Vuitton to put out your shirt. You don't need uh, these other high fashion houses to put out your jacket. You're Kanye West. You put out your own jackets and people are going to buy them. And they did. Like This stuff was being bought with huge lines of people showing up at every shop, buying all this stuff. I mean, there was a lot of resale too, but these pieces were very, very popular. So that continued to be Kanye's strategy for the next five years, right? He continues to do a lot of releases for each album, these merch releases that are kind of next level and involved on high quality material that sell out and have value and have aftermarket value, which, you know, that's just another way in which he's made a lot of earnings from fashion and really nailed the merch game at the same time. Yeezy season four was a little more problematic for Kanye. Uh, people weren't as interested in the clothes and they also weren't as interested in the performance, which actually got panned. And it was the last public Yeezy performance that we've seen. Uh, the problems that ensued with Yeezy season four and the criticism that Kanye uh, caught for it, he hasn't returned to that mode uh, or that style of show since, opting more for these magazine looks or something that was a little bit more gorilla with Yeezy season six where he has Kim going out in all of the Yeezy season six clothes, but also having models or Paris Hilton herself looking like Kim, dressing like Kim, and showing off how the clothes fits on other people, which was such a great campaign. I think of all the Yeezy seasons, this campaign was the one that met with the most universal praise and acclaim, but it was also seemed to be the Yeezy seasons that got less interest online through sales. I haven't seen people as into buying these things, I mean, maybe the scope is still smaller, but that's what makes the Yeezy Gap, oh, that's the end of it, that's what makes the Yeezy Gap collaboration of such interest because the Yeezy seasons have sold and they've sold out, I'm sure they've sold well for how small they are, but we haven't gotten a Kanye fashion line in the same way that we've gotten the Yeezy shoes, right? Where so many people have Yeezys on, where you could go to most malls in America, I think, at this point, and see people in Yeezys. I went back to my mall in Canton, Ohio, 
and I didn't think I'd see another person in a pair of Yeezys, and I saw nine. Just in like an hour, I saw nine people walk through a mall in Canton, Ohio, which, I don't know, I just, maybe Canton's gotten nicer than when I grew up, but it just wasn't something where you're seeing people wearing fancy shoes back in the day. I guess you're seeing people in Jordans, but I don't know, it just kind of blew my mind to see even Yeezys in the location I grew up, which felt so small and contained to me. Uh, but you see them in every airport, yada, yada, yada. But the Kanye fashion, the Kanye like jackets, the sweaters, the pants, the shirts, you haven't seen a collaboration like Kanye and Adidas, which is what makes this Yeezy Gap collaboration of such interest. Because again, if it has even a fraction of the success that's not a failure, but is just good <laughs> in uh, of fraction of the success of the Adidas uh, collaboration and just does decently well, then it's going to be a smashing success that makes his net worth jump. Is it going to be $7 billion, $8 billion? Is he going to cross the $10 billion mark? We'll see. But the sky's the limit right now. He has so much momentum going forward from here in terms of like not just fashion, but it seems like he's also been meeting with a lot of people in the tech space and getting into that Silicon Valley uh, experience. And we'll see what new uh, vistas and horizons Kanye is able to reach getting into that space. Are we going to see a Kanye-Elon Musk collaboration soon? I hope so. Will it change the world? Probably. So stay tuned. But I hope you've enjoyed this recap of Kanye's uh, billionaire status to this point and how we got there. I hope it was somewhat enjoyable and coherent. But if you're enjoying the channel and you want to support us, the easiest way is to like, subscribe, or comment as those things tell YouTube. This is a channel people engage with and then they show it to more people. We also have our movie analysis site, filmcolossus.com, where if you want the best explanations of movie endings and themes, you can just go to filmcolossus.com and you will find those. Written by myself and watching the throne co-host, Travis Bean, and then Travis and I also have our podcast, Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West, where we go line by line, track by track, album by album through Kanye's discography, illuminating the narratives and themes of each song and album. It will, I promise you, forever change how you listen to Kanye's music. So you can find that podcast on any podcast platform, uh, Tidal, Apple, Spotify. You can also get episodes early like weeks early, months early on Patreon, just patreon.com slash Kanye podcast. It's ad free. It's ahead of time. So on the public feed, we have late registration episodes coming out right now, but on the Patreon, we have our graduation episodes. So by the time graduation episodes are coming out on the public feed, you'll be getting 808s and Heartbreak or even My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. So if you want to be ahead of the curve, go there. So that's it. Until next time, stay wavy and keep it loopy. Cheers. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.